Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday, October 22nd edition of the MMA OB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Martin. I'll be taking you guys through the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. Can't wait for this weekend, guys. UFC 254, are you kidding me? It's finally here. The Beatmore Mother Madoff and Justin Gaethje. I cannot wait for this fight. On Tuesday, myself and Cole Shelton broke down the entire UFC 254 pay-per-view card. Uh, all 12 fights in the card broke them all down, including the main event between Gaethje and Ramaga Madoff. You'll definitely want to hear my pick for that if you missed it. And if you didn't miss it, you know who I'm picking in that fight. And I'll talk a little bit more about that card today. Uh, some final thoughts some notes on that card before uh, the big event on Saturday, which by the way, again, starts early in the day. I think it's 10 a.m. for the prelims, 10.15 or something. And then the main card, the pay-per-views at 2 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So for us uh, over here on the East Coast, in the Toronto area, we get to watch it pretty early in the afternoon, which I, I'm fine with. And for the people over there in Europe, they get to actually watch an event a little bit earlier at night. It's, it's tough for those guys over there in Europe uh, to stay up or get up in the middle of the night to watch the fight. So it's nice to see that the UFC is giving the European Asian fans and uh, Middle Eastern fans an event that uh, is on their time. So we're talking a little bit about that. Uh, Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, we have to talk about that, obviously. News and fight announcements. There's a lot of fight announcements. I'll get through them. And, of course, I'll take everyone's questions along the way. But I do want to start with UFC 254. So... Uh, I mean, I can't wait for this card, guys. I think you guys are the same way about this one as me. So let's give me one sec here. Um, you know, looking at at the card, obviously the fight everyone's talking about is the main event between uh, Justin Gaethje and Herbie Marotta made up. Now I want to pull up EJ Penn. We got a lot of news up there. Let's go through it with you guys. Let's see here. Share screen. Should work. Japan. Let's see if this works. There we go. Yep. Okay. Good stuff. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about this right here. Right off the bat, Tom, with the article on uh, Habib. And Dana White says he's going to be the number one pound for pound fighter if he defeats Justin Gaethje. And I think that definitely you can make that argument. But my question is, doesn't John Jones still exist? Like, John Jones hasn't retired. So, I don't think that Habib should pass him. I think he'd be close to passing him, but I still think John Jones is number one in the world. Um, I know John hasn't fought since February, obviously, but Habib hasn't fought since last September. So to me, it's like, yes, Habib's the favorite player of the week. Habib's an amazing fighter. I love Habib, but I still feel like John Jones is the number one guy. So I saw Dana White saying that, but it's all promoter talk, in my opinion. The other thing he, he mentioned at the press conference yesterday, Habib, number one played fighter in the video game, which is super cool. I actually haven't played the fourth game yet. I want to get it. I just want to pay the 79. I'm waiting for it to drop uh, like, like 50 bucks or something, but uh, I'm sure you guys have played that game and heard it's good anyways. Um, you know, speaking of the other guy, though, uh, both guys actually, but Habib especially, I mean, he, he was talking a lot yesterday. You know, if you're looking to BJ Penn here, there's a lot of headlines all about uh, the fight between, obviously, Habib and Justin tomorrow. And, you know, you look at uh, Habib and, 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 and Justin then, and, and Habib's talking about, just it being an extremely hard year for him. And his, his father died. His father died in July. It wasn't even that long ago. Like, it's still amazing to me that he beeps here. Like, if my dad died, I don't think I could fight three months later, you know? It's very difficult. So what he's doing uh, mentally, it just shows how strong he is. It's pretty incredible, right? So he's talked about this, but, you know, even Justin said, this is going to make this guy more motivated. Like, I expect the most motivated version of Habib Nurmagomedov we've ever seen. So, uh, yes, his father did die, and we have no idea how it's even going to like play out in the cage. Like, will he miss his father in the corner? I'm sure he will. Um, you know, what's going to happen when the fight starts? Like, I really have no idea. So it's just it's definitely a factor that it's very hard to handicap that kind of factor. Like, it could either hinder or help him in the fight. We really have no idea, and, and ultimately, 
his father passing might not even be something that even really impacts the fight. Like I really have no idea and I don't think anyone does, but it's certainly worth mentioning. It's just really hard to know how it's going to affect the fight. Now you, you talk about Gaethje. He's another guy here and, and Gaethje, um, basically he said that he has at least five more fights left in MMA. He was talking here a little bit and uh, he basically said it's not just fights. He has five wars left. So that's good to hear. He's 31 years old. So he's still relatively young, but as we know, he's had some crazy fights in the UFC and in only a short amount of time. Um, but the, the thing is with Gaethje, like he's actually improved his striking defense lately and he hasn't taken any shots. So yes, the first couple fights with Alvarez, Poirier, et cetera, wars, even the Ferguson fight was kind of a war, but um, he's improved his defense to the point where he's able to, I think, have a longer career now. So I think he's made some good adjustments in his career, and we'll see what happens this Saturday and see how much damage or if he even takes damage in the fight with Habib. Um, he might just get ground and pounded. Like, we really have no idea, but he might go in there and knock Habib out. I can't wait for this fight. I love fights where I really have no idea what's going to happen, guys. Like, that's that's the best kind of fight. Like, yes, it's fun to predict fights and get them correct. It's the best. It's great. Great to win money. But it's also nice to, like, look at a fight and be like, man, I really have no idea who's going to win that fight. So I can't wait for this fight, but, you know, it's it's going to be a good one. Now, I, I do want to talk about Dana White here because, look, this is the one I want to talk about here. Dana White says Conor McGregor and Poirier rematch has to happen at 155. This is, like, the first time I agree with Dana in forever. Like, Dana's a guy I always disagree with. A lot of stuff he says just shake my head but this is 100 right last week john cavanaugh mcgregor's coach at sbg he said that the fight's going to take place at 170 and he messaged dustin on twitter and said like you know um happy holidays and and stay well fed and hydrated and, and we'll see you in january now i understand that connor doesn't like to cut weight who likes to cut weight i don't think any fighter does i get connor gets special privileges in the ufc i think we all understand that like he's the money-making superstar he's been one of the biggest stars in the sport for like what seven eight years now so connor picks his shots he calls his shots and in this case it seems like he wants to fight 170. i think poirier is a guy that's going to go along with either 170 or 155. i know he's talked about fighting a welterweight so i think he's okay with it but the fact of the matter is if this fight's going to be for a title shot 155 which it probably will be this fight should take place at 155 not at 170. so i'm 100 with dana on this one completely it's ridiculous like Again, I understand that he doesn't want to cut weight. No one does. No one does. Habib probably doesn't want to cut weight. I'm sure Habib would rather fight 170 against Gaethje, have two natural guys go in there, but that's part of the sport. So I'm 100% with them. And here's the thing. If this fight happens and it does take place at 170, that immediately opens the door for other fighters to step in instead of Poirier and uh, Conor McGregor. So, yeah, so I can't wait for this fight. It's going to be a great fight, the rematch. I actually think Poirier has a really good chance to win this fight the second time around. But I'd like to see it at 155 because if it's going to be for a title shot against the winner, if it be even Gaethje, then the fight probably should be in that weight class. So I'm actually 100% with Dane on this one. Don't really agree with him that much, but this is something I totally agree with him. Uh, you talk about uh, Tony Ferguson here. Now, let me pull him up here. He, he was talking about a fight with Michael Chandler, Cole, the article. He's still open to it. He's still open to it, but he just wants to fight – in December now, like the fight obviously was supposed to happen Saturday against Dustin Poirier. It was supposed to be Tony Ferguson, Dustin Poirier. Don't forget that. They unfortunately were not able to come to an agreement with the money. I think with either guy, Poirier was the first guy that kind of was out there saying he wanted to be paid more. And I think Ferguson now is like, hey, I'm not getting paid enough. The one thing that I think really pissed both these guys off is the fact that Michael Chandler came into the UFC, got a really nice contract, and got this backup spot against uh, the winner or whoever like drops out of it with Gaethje, which. At this point, I'm crossing my fingers. There's like, what, two days to go to the fight? So it looks like it's going to happen, but you never know. He's going to weigh in just in case something happens. 
Um, we've seen a lot of crazy stuff happen on the day of Habib fights. So hopefully nothing happens. But I'm glad the UFC actually had the you know sense to book a, a backup for this fight, knowing what's happened in the past. But Tony is willing to fight, guys. It's like people – there's some fans out there that really think some of these guys are scared of fighting. These are professional MMA fighters. Like that's their job to go in there and fight people for a living. So he will fight. He will fight, and I, I think I'd like to see him fight before the end of the year, but I'm thinking at this point maybe they'll put him in that, on that McGregor card. Maybe they'll put him in the undercards, the prelim. Um, the, the, not the prelim, but the, the co-main event, you know. Um, maybe Ferguson and, and, and Chandler on that same card, um, almost like a mini round robin. And, and hey, if that fight's at 155, the winner, that's impressive. They could jump in. So I think maybe that's what's going to happen, but he wants to fight, guys. So he definitely – Tony wants to fight this year. He wanted to fight this weekend. So did Dustin. The money couldn't get uh, figured out, the situation there, but – Hopefully December, we'll see Tony Ferguson step back into the cage. Now, here's another one that I'm personally interested in because I love the guy. Fabricio Verdun and uh, Fedor Milinenko. So Fabricio obviously became a free agent recently. And uh, he spoke about uh, fighting in Bellator and, and Scott Coger talked about it as well. Fedor's spoke a little bit about it. Uh, we've heard a lot of updates to this, but now we have an official update from Fabricio Verdun. He spoke to AG Fight and he basically said he's already signed a contract with Bellator which is good to hear. It's just, he's just waiting for Fader's approval and confirmation for the rematch. That's the fight Belter wants to book. That's what Verdun wants. We've heard Fader wants it, but then we heard he was kind of 50-50 on it. But ultimately, it will come down to if Bellator can get that fight done. But Verdun also said that he respects Scott Cougar so much that if that fight can happen, he would still be interested in fighting uh, for Bellator. So we will see what happens with this. I'm sure we're going to hear something very soon. I'm sure Fabricio wants to just get a deal signed, especially during this COVID season. Uh, just get a, get a deal signed, get a contract signed, get some money signed. His manager, Ali Abdulzi, obviously, is always uh, getting out there for his guys and, and getting them big deals. So I expect the fight to happen. I do think Daltor is going to get this fight done. We're going to see Fedor Verdum. I was hoping we'd see it this year, guys, to be honest with you, because it was 10 years ago where Verdum submitted Fedor with that triangle arm bar. It's been 10 years now, over 10 years but it looks like it's probably going to happen next year, if anything. Either way, I think it's going to be a good fight. You know, I know both guys are older now. Fedor is 44, Verdum's 43, but Verdum coming off a great win over Gustafson. He looked really good in that fight. Actually got into shape for that fight and trained hard, so he looked great. And then Verdum, I don't know, uh, Fedor, obviously, he's coming off some, you know, iffy performances in Bellator, some knockouts, but he, he did have that win over Rampage's last fight, knocking him out. So I think it's a good fight, personally. I know some people don't care about old-timer guys like this, but for a guy like me that grew up in this era, I love this fight, personally. Um, Cole actually did an interview, which is I want to talk about here with uh, Sam Alvey, and Sam Alvey went off on Mark Goddard in this interview, which I was uh, kind of surprised because Sam Alvey's like that nice guy, doesn't say much about bad about people, but he, he's not happy about it. Mark Goddard obviously was a referee of a couple of his fights. Uh, I, I think specifically the, the Jim Crew fight, if I'm not mistaken, where the fight was kind of stopped early. So I think Sam Alvey's a little pissed about that. Basically, he's on a four fight losing streak, and that fight happens this weekend against Dan Jung, and you know. Spoiler alert, but I, I picked Jung on the podcast on Tuesday, and I'm pretty confident he wins. And this is a tough matchup for Sam Alvey, you know, but he has to win this fight if he won't stay in the roster. Basically, he said the UFC matchmakers like him, and they gave him another chance because he's usually exciting. So he's lost four straight fights. If he loses five straight, it's hard to keep him on the roster, even though he is one of those company guys that will always fight anytime. You know, if this is it for Sam Alvey, I think there's a lot of opportunity out there in the world of MMA. I think Bellator would take him back. He used to fight there. I think he'd go back to Bellator, no problem. Um, and I think PFL would be a really good spot for him personally. I think a PFL light heavyweight tournament or even possibly a middleweight tournament, but more likely 205. But I think that would be a good spot for Sam Alvey. We'll see him. He's got to win this weekend. Uh, and then that will set up his future. If he loses, though, I, I do think he's going to have to probably look at some other options for his career. 
Another fight I want to talk about here, this one's interesting. Uh, Davison Figueroa and Alex Perez, and I wrote this article, the, the odds drop for it. Um, the opening odds had Figueroa at minus 210 and Perez at plus 180. So I, I don't think there's any surprise there with Figueroa being a, a slightly a decent-sized favorite there at minus 210 at, at the opener. And, you know, just taking a look at the line movement, I don't know if it's changed much, but I will take a look. Uh, no, not not really. Um uh, five dimes has opened it up though, and they opened it minus two seventy five. So the line, I, I think it was better online to open at minus two ten. I guess a, a little bit low because they got some immediate action on it. But yeah, it looks like early on, anyways. I mean, it's only been a few days, but it looks like Figueroa's going to get back here, and, and I'm not surprised because I mean, the guy's incredible. Look what he's did: eight and one in the UFC, six finishes at one twenty five, coming off back to back like devastating stoppages over Benavides, especially the last fight where he just looked like an absolute world beater. Alex Perez is good, too. He's 6-1 in the UFC. I was looking at these guys' records. I was pretty impressed by Perez is good, too, man. And uh, I love watching him fight, too, and he's coming off three straight wins. I just think that Figueroa, with all these five-round fights now, all the experience going with elite fighters like Benavidez, et cetera, I think it's going to help him a lot in this fight. So I definitely agree with Figueroa being the favorite here. I mean, we'll see how the line moves. I'm not going to give a pick right now, but my, my strong lean would be Figueroa. I think most people would be, so... You know, looking at minus 210 and then minus 275 now, I think the opener was a little bit low. But we'll see. I mean, the, there could be some comeback action on, on Perez because he's a dangerous guy. He's got a lot of experience. He has more fights than Figueredo. Uh, it's a really intriguing fight, guys. It really is. To be honest, um, I did want to see that Garbrandt fight at 125. I think that would have been cool. I would want to see Cody's KO power carry down. But I think Perez might be an even tougher fight, possibly. So we'll see what happens. But uh, right now, Figueredo is the clear favorite. Looking at some other news here, oh, Dana White, man, he went off on, on Tyron Woodley here. He really did. So he said dealing with Tyron Woodley is like pulling teeth. It's kind of weird because I don't know where this came from. Like, clearly there's something else going on behind the scenes here with these guys. I'm sure they're having some talk right now about Tyron potentially hanging up his gloves. Listen, the guy was UFC welterweight champion. He's had a lot of really good wins in the UFC, the, the Robbie Lawler, and a bunch of other wins. But truthfully, the last three fights, he just hasn't looked like he wanted to be there in the cage. And, and a lot of fans think he's just in there collecting a check. Now, the first two fights against Burns and Usman, he didn't get finished. The last fight, Colby coming, he got stopped. And that's the kind of stoppage where it's like, it makes you wonder how much he wants to do this anymore because he, he got the broken rib and then started withering in pain and then, and then the fight got stopped. Um, Dana White just doesn't like dealing with this guy. It's just weird, though, how he's like, this is the hardest guy I've ever had to deal with. Like, did he forget about Randy Couture? Does, has he forgotten about Conor McGregor and how tough he's had to deal with him? But especially Randy Couture, who sued the UFC. When has Tyrone really ever did that? So... It's one of those things where I, I know what Dana's saying. Like, he's clearly frustrated with Tyron Woodley, and I don't know what's going on. Again, maybe they're trying to book him another fight or, or what, but Dana White doesn't seem like he's a big fan of this guy. Tyron Woodley's lost three straight fights. It makes you wonder, man. I mean, if it's that hard to deal with him, would they give him his release? And if that happened, would he go to Bellator and rejoin Scott Coker, who had him in strike force all those years? Definitely a potentially uh, possibility, I think, guys. Kinshiro's got a comment. Hey, Kinshiro, Woodley's living in denial, so Dan's by far the hardest fighter to deal with. Yeah, I know. I know. It's true. I mean, that's what he said, but again, you know, Randy Couture, like I, I'm bringing up him from 2007, 2008 when he, he had sued them and stuff. So there's other fighters that Dan had said this about in the past, but again, I don't know what's going on. Like, are they trying to book another fight? They're trying to convince him to hang up his gloves and officially retire? Or is he talking about, is he asking for his release? Like, I really have no idea, but what I do know is he's lost three straight fights, and at this point in his career, He's a gatekeeper, right? My other thing is maybe they're trying to get him to book Kamev and Kamev, and he's just saying, oh, I don't want to fight that guy. I think that make that fight does kind of make sense when you think about it because Woodley's still a top-ten guy. He's coming off some losses, but 
you know, that would still be a top 10 win for, for Kamza if they tried to book it. Um, here's another thing I want to tell them. This is important. Anderson Silva, he's confirmed his fight against Uriah Hall. It's going to be his last fight in his MMA career. So we had heard some rumblings about this from Dana White. Dana had said this. Um, but then Anderson's coach came out and said, no, I wanted to keep fighting. I actually wanted to fight Israel Adesanya in a rematch. And a lot of fans were just shaking their heads. Anderson Silva is the oldest fighter in the UFC. He's age 45. Uh, there's no denying that he is one of the greatest, if not the greatest fighters of all time. I mean, he's, he's right up there. He's definitely top five. You know, I think the PED thing definitely hurt him a little bit. I mean, a lot actually probably, but uh, the guy is no doubt an incredible fight. He had what a 16 fight win streak at one point. Right. But he has flamed out the last couple of years and at age 45, it's, it's been hard to watch a fight. I was at his last fight with Jerry Cannon here in Brazil last year. He got his leg kicked. It looked like he broke his leg again. I thought the same thing had happened. Same as Weidman fight, the second one. But, uh, you know, it, it's incredible. He's able to return now a year and a half later and he's coming back against Uriah Hall. But, you know, that's a tough fight too. And the odds are dropped for that fight. And right now the current odds have uh, Uriah Hall minus 220, Anderson Silva plus 180. So interesting odds for that fight, I'd say, guys. Like, I'm surprised Uriah Hall is not a little bit of a bigger favorite, to be completely honest with you. I mean, he's a lot younger than Anderson Silva and he's a lot more durable, I think. But then again, Anderson, maybe you could turn back the clock, have an amazing performance. But if that happens, I'm just worried he's going to say, I want to fight again. Take some more comments here. Kenshiro says, have you heard Leon Edwards off the rankings? Uh... Do the, do the activity. Is he really? I didn't know that, but that makes sense. I mean, he hasn't fought in a year and a half. Um, I love Leon Edwards. He's a great fighter. And looking at the rankings, I still see him listed, but maybe he will be taken off. I don't know. But the thing with uh, with Leon Edwards is, who's his manager? and What kind of advice is he getting? Like, he hasn't fought since last July, guys. And I understand the fight with Woodley was supposed to happen in March. He got canceled last minute due to the pandemic. That is not his fault. That was in March. It's October. It's seven months later. Like, this pandemic's lasted a while. Seven months later, and he still hasn't have a, had a fight booked. At this point, he should take whatever UFC gives him. I think Wonder Boy makes sense. And I know Leon's like, I'm not fighting you because you're ranked like two spots lower than me. I like Leon Edwards a lot. I think he's a, a really good fighter, like really underrated and, and really well-rounded. But he's getting bad advice from his management. The, the year's going to go by. He won't have not fought this year. That is crazy to me. That's crazy. That's how you destroy a, a guy's career. He needs better management, guys. He really does. John Hunko, this is one of the best guys out there, guys. You guys got to follow this dude. He's killing it. Tyrone should get his release to go to one championship and fight Angla Nassang. They need some name fighters. Dude, I, I'm completely with you, John. I, I, I actually think he might get released. And I think if he does hit free agency, one would make a very competitive offer for Tyrone Woodley. I mean, you look at his last couple of fights and you think this guy's a shot fighter, but then you look at who he fought. He fought the best of the best. He's fought three of the top five guys at 170. And it's not that long ago where uh, he was beating guys like Wonderboy who were ranked in, in the top 10. So Woodley, to me, is still a good fighter. I'm not convinced he's completely shot like shot yet like a lot of people are. I know he's looked terrible. I get that. I bet against him every fight. But I'm just not convinced he can't go and beat um, lesser competition. I think Angla Nassang would be a tough fight. That guy's really good, man. That guy is super underrated. As John, you know yourself, that's one of the best fighters right now in one. That'd be a fun fight. I do think Bellator makes a lot of sense, though. You look at Scott, the Scott Coker connection, Fabricio Verdun recently leaving to go there. A lot of ex-UFC fighters that fought for Strike Force ended up going over to Bellator to fight for Scott Coker. If Woodley does get released, I do think that makes just a lot of sense. And, and you look at their division, you know, Douglas Lima probably beats him, but I think that's a, that's a big fight for Bellator. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Woodley, but I wouldn't be surprised if he had fought, fought his last UFC fight 
I'm just curious to see how this plays out. It's just it's just kind of weird that Dana White singled him out out of all the fighters he has to deal with and he's had to deal with over the years. And Shiro says, Willie makes 500k a fight. No way he'll leave the UFC. He has 12 luxury cars in debt. They could just release him though. I don't think he's worth his money right now, you know. And I, I know he was probably underpaid early in his career. And that's the thing about a lot of sports. This happens in all sports: baseball, football, hockey. These guys a lot of times get paid once they've already accomplished stuff, and then they start to kind of fade away. He's made a lot of money in his career. He's Tyler Willie's also been done with his money, which he admitted to. He admitted he blew a lot of his money. He said he lived a lavish lifestyle. He bought a lot of cars, like you said, Kenshiro. He bought some houses, did some real estate. I think at this point in his career, I think he's 38 years old now. He's obviously a family man. I think Willie's a lot better with that stuff. Maybe the UFC's asking him to take a pay cut. I really have no idea. I just think it's really interesting that Dana White brought up his name and no one else's. Just Isn't that interesting? I think so. Kenshiro, Leo Edwards, take uh, take on a can, stack those wins, not Wonder Boy, he's too dangerous, even in your best day. I mean, that's a good fight, Kenshiro, and I, I think it is a dangerous fight, but I also think Leo Edwards can use his wrestling and actually beat Wonder Boy that way, not even with the striking, with his wrestling, which is so underrated. Kenshiro says, one couldn't afford a private a pet turtle right now. He says they have big dad. I'd like to hear of John, if you're in there, John, I'd love to hear what you have, if you know anything about that stuff. And he's saying, Kenshiro suggesting one and Ryzen go down. I don't know about that. I don't think so. I mean, well, <laughs> pride's gone down and stuff and dream's gone down, but Ryzen's living. Another thing I want to talk about here in the news really quick, uh, Chase Sherman suspended nine months by USADA. He actually admitted to using some, uh, it's basically, it's like, I think it's the stuff John Jones got caught for, like the breast pills or whatever, but it, it's a steroid essentially. He got suspended nine months. It was pre-UFC, but he definitely was juicing on the regional scene. So, I mean, hey, good for this guy. It worked. He got back to the UFC. And he got that win over Eggfield in the wave in his debut, Chase Sherman. He looked at, or not a debut, but his comeback, I should say. He fought in the UFC before. But that fight's probably going to be overturned to a no contest. He'll probably get fined and suspended even more by the Florida State Athletic Commission. So he could get some additional sanctions. But as far as you saw, it goes nine months for Chase Sherman. I like Chase Sherman, but, man, that's, that's a terrible look, man. That is bad. Marcus Williams, one of the best guys here. Have you heard any updates or rumors on who will be the next coach for top? So I think we talked about a little bit with myself and Cole. There's not much that's really being said about this, Marcus. So they're actually filming this, I believe, next week or the week after. It's going to start filming in the next couple of weeks. I'm assuming they're probably going to be making like a return uh, in the new year, if I had to guess, like January, February. Maybe right around the time Connor's fight is. Maybe that's the big plan here. There's obviously some some options out there, uh, Marcus. I still believe that the best option is Masvidal, Colby Covington. I just think that would be, if they want to have trash talk, they want to have two guys don't like each other, you can't get better than that. Yes, it's going to be super cringy. I get that. People are, there are going to be some people turned off by it. I also think it's going to be super entertaining. So if it was up to me, it would be Colby and Masvidal. I just think that would be a great pairing. Having said that, I know a lot of people are suggesting um, uh Israel Asanya, John Jones, that's another suggestion. Volkanovsky and Henry Cejudo, that's another suggestion. That would actually be pretty good, I think. I think Cejudo and Volkanovsky would be really interesting. Um, and there's probably some other guys, like, you know, just looking at the, the rankings. I mean, you could also do Jones and Stephen Miocic, potentially, or or Miocic and, and Francis, although I really hope they fight soon. But looking at, 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 the, at the rankings, I mean, at some other potential pairings, I think I listed some that, that really do make sense. Uspin Burns is another one potentially too, because that fight got got scratched. I, I'd like to see them fight though soon. But yeah, I don't know. If it's up to me, man, it's going to be Masvidal and, and Edwards. Um, you know, the fact that the UFC had asked Connor and Habib to do it just makes me that much more confident that they want to have two big names in the return for uh, season for tough. 
because you look at some of the the other seasons, the last couple seasons, and maybe the coaches weren't the greatest. So I think they're looking to come back with a bang. I will check out the new tough. I, I've watched every tough, but the last couple of years, I kind of stopped watching like live, especially. I'd watch the, I would just watch the fight. But the first bunch of toughs, as we know, a lot of us fans that have been you know, fans of the sport for a while, that's how we help get into the sport, like the whole Forrest Griffin Bonner fight and some of the other early toughs. Like, there were some amazing, like the amount of talent that was on tough back in the day is just, it's, it's incredible. I'm just curious to see like what divisions and Kachiro's suggesting uh, female featherweights, men's featherweights, men's heavyweights, but literally bro, I, I'm pretty sure the tough heavy hitter season, which was the last season two years ago, that's what the, the weight classes were. I, I do agree. They need those weight classes more, but what's out there, what talent's out there. If I had to guess, um, they're going to pick, one of the more deep weight classes. I think welterweight, especially if it's Maswell coming, that makes so much sense. You have welterweights training under the two of the best. So I think you'll probably see either featherweights, welterweights, or, or, or uh, lightweights, probably because those are the deepest divisions in MMA. There's probably more prospects there. But, you know, Cole made a good point on Tuesday. And he basically said, like, if you're a fighter, why would you fight a tough one? You can just go on contender series and get in the UFC or just get in the UFC as a short nose fighter. And I agree with him. Like, I'm not sure they're going to sign. Are they going to be signing guys that have like one or two fights in their, in their uh, careers? Um, are they going to possibly do a veteran season again, a comeback season again, which I thought was really good. The one that James, uh, was a Jesse Taylor one. So although eventually he got cut by the UFC too, but yeah, I, I think there's a few options for this, but you know, for me, coaches should be as well coming in. Cause I think it'd be the most entertaining bunch of coaches out there. And, uh, Kinshiro has a comment here. He says, uh, he thought that Justin would beat Tony and Habib and then Connor right off in the sunset. We'll see, but he said he has five fights left. So. That's only three fights. I think that's it for news. Like I pretty much got everything I wanted. Now I want to get some. Uh, I want to get some fight announcements here. So I'm going to go to Marcel's page. Marcel is. Uh, I had him on the podcast. I think like a month ago, right? You guys know who Marcel is. Obviously, he's one of the best guys. So you know, he's he's really good at uh, basically getting the uh, getting these fights all all square up on his page. And I love it. So he's great. Follow him for sure on, on Instagram. So you look at this fight, Tony Gravely versus Geraldo DeFreitas, uh, November 14th. That's coming up pretty soon. You know, it, it's it's probably a close fight, I would say, but Gravely, I would assume, gets a little bit more respect here. It, it just seems like DeFreitas is not a guy that gets a ton of respect. So I would assume Gravely's probably going to be slightly favored there. Next fight. And this is the fight I want to talk about. Holy shit, what a fight. Marlon Marais against Rob Font. It's crazy Marlon's fighting two weeks after getting KO'd by Corey Sangley with a spinning back kick or a spinning uh, wheel kick. But he said he wanted to make a quick return. It was a kind of a flash knockout too. So it wasn't like one of those prologue beings like Smith to share. It was like he got kicked in the head. He fell down. The fight got stopped. He, he's probably fine. So he says he's fine. He's fine. He's staying on Rob Font here in a great fight. This is an awesome fight. Marlon Marais, the magic man. He's, he's the fourth ranked fighters division now he was number one he's number four now Rob Font number 11 and you look at both guys and Marlon Rice obviously he he struggled in his last fight but he's still in the best in the world wasn't long ago he beat Jose Aldo wasn't long ago that he was beating guys like Sterling knocking them out cold or Rafael Sunso beating him by submission so he's one of the best in the world but Rob Font's an underrated guy and he's coming off a win over uh, Ricky Simone in his last fight the problem with Rob Font is the last year he hasn't fought at all he's been dealing with injuries so I really like Rob Font but the uh, the injuries and and the lack of activity makes me kind of fade him a little bit here. I think he's got a chance to win for sure because he's got KO power. We've seen that over his career, like the George Root fight and a couple other fights, Thomas Almeida, I think, too. But Marlon Marais is an elite guy. So you got to favor Marlon Marais in this fight. I'm pretty sure you guys are all going to agree with me on that one. 
And this is an interesting comment. I agree with this. Ever since Hudo exposed Marais' weakness, he has never been the same. Do you guys remember that fight? It wasn't that long ago that fight happened. It was UFC 238 last June, and Marlon Marais was absolutely dominating that fight. He just got super tired. Cejudo started going to his body and then beat him up and TKO'd him. So, and I agree, I agree with you. I think he did show some weaknesses in that fight with the striking defense. He's a front runner a little bit. It's it's kind of weird because when he was in WSOF, he was able to go five rounds no problem. And now it's like it feels like he is fading in his fights as they go on. Next one here. This is a good fight too. I like this one. Ovin St. Brew against Jamal Hill. Uh, OSP coming off that nasty knockout win over Alonzo Menafield looked outstanding in that fight. And Jamal Hill, he's coming off a knockout win over Clinton Abreu that was overturned to a no contest because he tested positive for smoking weed. So that's stupid. But either way, this is a great fight. Um, OSP is a guy that never gets respect in the sports books. He's often an underdog or a pick em. Uh, Jamal Hill is a guy that I think some fans are starting to realize this guy's a great prospect. I'm a fan of both guys. I think, you know, OSP is a guy that's really grown on me over the years. Like, I really didn't love him that much back in the day in Strike Force and stuff. Like, I never thought he was that great. He's still in the UFC after like 10 years of being in there, and he's fighting pretty much elite guys every fight, and he's still winning these fights. Like, he loses too. He's inconsistent, but he can have an outstanding performance at times, and we know how good his ground game is and his knockout power too. So, OSP is a, a really good fighter, man, but Jamal Hill is a guy that's um, very high, and he's a special fighter, too. This is a close fight. I honestly have no idea who's going to win this fight. i got to think about it more. December 5th, an unnamed card in uh, Vegas. What else do we have here? Okay, this is an interesting one. Uh, Adrian Yanez against Victor Rodriguez. I don't really know him too well off the Google him, but Yanez coming off that win in his last fight, a uh, contender series, and he got signed to the UFC. And Victor Rodriguez, for some reason, I'm forgetting who he is. Let me just check. Maybe I haven't heard of him, actually. Victor Rodriguez. There's a lot of guys from like Contender Series I forget about. Vicious Victor Rodriguez, 7'2, 28 years old. Actually, he wasn't on Contender Series, okay? So I wasn't forgetting him. He's fought, uh, won four straight fights, mostly for Alaska FC. Actually, I'm looking at some. <laughs> okay, this is hilarious. I'm looking at some of this guy's uh, the promotions he's fought for. Let me see if this is going to work. Let's see if this works. Does this work? Yeah, okay. Look at this. this is the guy, Victor Rodriguez Vicious. It's a cool nickname. 20 years old, Alaskan guy. But look at, look at these promotions he's fought for. Alaska FC, Metal and Mayhem, Blood, Sweat, and Beers. <laughs> Solid as a rock FC. Oh my god. I gotta check out this one. Blood, sweat, and beers. That has to be like the best name for a promotion ever. Holy smokes. I love just going on topology and going through like the rabbit hole and looking at these events. There's only one fight in this card. What the heck? He won by KO. So, anyways, I don't know anything about this guy, obviously, but that's awesome. Blood, sweat, and beers. That's an amazing name for an event. Anyways, yeah, I mean, Yanez is going to be favorite here, as we know, because he does have the experience somewhat, anyways, fighting in, uh, well, contender series. Now, next one. I talked about a few of these already this week, but here's another one we didn't really talk about. RDA and Islam has been rebooked. That will take place on uh, the November 14th card. I'm glad they rebooked it. I don't think it's the main event. If, I can't, I, I can't, I think it's Santos, isn't it Santos? Let me double check that one. November 14th, that would be, uh, yeah, I don't see a, one sec, I don't see a main event list on Best Fight. Am I forgetting something here? Maybe they haven't announced it yet. Maybe it's Santos Glover, is that what it is? Okay, hold on. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, it's not actually. That's the other card. So I don't know. Maybe that's going to be the main event. Maybe it'll be Islam and, uh, and RDA. That would make sense, actually. Right now, they don't have, um, I mean, event for that card. <laughs> Gotta get this comment. There are $48 ticket events that would be great to go with blood, sweat, and beers. <laughs> I would go. I mean, it's only one fight, but it probably was a great fight. You could get drunk and see some blood and sweat. I mean, that's just an amazing name for the event. 
Anyways, Islam Argy, we saw the line for it. Islam was like, I think, minus 800. Argy was plus 500. I think RDA can win that fight. Here's another one. Oh my God. I filmed the wave in Vinicius Murray, and you, you wonder why these guys are in the UFC, too. Like, it's amazing, man. Like, a couple of years ago, there's no way some guys like this would be in the UFC that just lose every fight. And Ike, you know, a guy that's a veteran of the sport, and, you know, he's he's struggling in the UFC, though. Two straight losses by stoppage to Sherman and Jordan Wright, who's fighting Walking Buckley in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, this guy, is, he's struggled, but he's, he's a guy that has a lot of experience. So, Maybe this is the fight he comes back with because Vinicius Mirror, you look at his record nine and four. Let me pull him out here. Sorry, guys. Pull him out. Vinicius Maria nine and four. But you look at the losses, three straight stoppages, and he's looked terrible in this fight. It's like there's nothing impressive with this guy, but wasn't long ago he beat John Allen, who's a great prospect by submission. So I guess they see that submission prowess of a lot of this wins, obviously, barred by stoppage submission. So they see that, but you know, Ike. And I know he's been uh, not impressive at all, but a lot of his wins before the UFC were nice, like Roger Nervais, Rashad Coulter, et cetera. So, yeah, I think I'd favor Eichnevill in the way, but just because uh, Venetius Maria's chin is just so bad. I think I got most of these fights already last week. I guess, uh, did I tell you this one? Tafan Nachikri versus Jamie Pickett? Holy crap. This is a fight I missed. This is an amazing fight. I'm surprised at 185. I think uh, Nachikri is moving down, but these guys are both going uh, to, to the UFC off crazy wins. On contender series, Pickett had an insane knockout, and the Chukri's knockout was like that would have won a fifty thousand dollar bonus to the UFC. I hope they gave him a little extra for that. That's the one Dana White was like, that was that was the one. So this is a great fight. Love this matchup. I'm just surprised in Chukri's fight at one eighty five, but I would have to favor this fight. And uh, I already talked about Torres and, and Hill too. I think it's an interesting rematch. I would actually kind of favor Hill this time around to be honest with you. In this fight, they fought before. They fought like seven or eight years ago, I think, or something like that. Maybe less than that, five or six, but. Yeah, uh, Angie Hill lost the fight, but I think she can win this time around. She's still really sharp. Here's another fight. Um, McCann versus Pacopio. Probably Meepum always be fair, but I got everything else there. Um, got a comment here from uh, Tony Sal. Are people behind Islam he sucks? I mean, I wouldn't say he sucks. I don't think that's fair to say. You look at Islam Makachev. Let, let me type him up here. You look at Islam's record, and first off, his age, he's only 29. So... He's super young, and then you look at his uh, his record. I mean, this is this guy sucks. I would I don't agree with that. Eighteen and one. Now he did lose to Martins by KO. Then it was five years ago. Now it was on the uh, Cormier, I believe, the Cormier Gustafson card. Yep, yep. He got knocked out there. Martins is on the UFC. So I mean, this guy is not unbeatable. Uh, if if you're asking me if there, I think there's value on, on RDA at plus five hundred or something like that. Whatever the crazy line's going to be, I, I think so. And Tony says he thought he lost to Armitage or Chicken. Well. Um, that was a super close fight. Also, Armin Tarsukin is a guy I am super high on. This kid is unbelievable. Only 24 years old. Wow. Another one of these young Georgian fighters, by the way. There's so many good guys. But yeah, he did lose. That was a close fight. But the oh man, they fought like the same guys too. Right? They both fought Ramos. He's looked good though, man. I, I'm I'm a big fan of Tarsukin. That last fight with Ramos, he looked so fast. He looked incredible in that fight. But yeah, I like both guys. If anyone else has any questions they want to throw them, throw them in right now, guys. I appreciate that. Let's go take a look at some odds quickly. Again, if anyone has questions, throw them in. I'll answer them before I get out of here today. Um, again, you know, look at some line movement. This one hasn't moved much. I'm a little surprised by that, to be honest with you. You go back and watch Tuesday's podcast, guys. I think I made a pretty compelling argument for Gaethje. I'll be honest. It's one of those fights where I'll put some money on it. If I lose, I don't really care because I do think there's value either way. Khabib shouldn't be minus 335 against Gaethje. Gaethje's just too good at fire. It should be Habib around minus 200. So there's there's value here on Gaethje as a dog. It's dog or pass. 
And then some other fights, not much line movement in this one either. Whitaker, I'm still surprised he's a slight underdog. I think he should be favored. So I think that's a little wrong. Volkov is a big favorite here still. Hawes, Murphy, um, Ankalev, no surprise there. This fight's a pick em right now. Struve and Tuvesa. Uh, as a friend of your guys, as your guys' uh, advisor, do not bet in this fight. Seriously, like there's, you don't need to bet in every fight. And this is a fight you don't want to bet on because who knows what's going to happen to those guys. Two guys are super consistent. This fight, the line flipped. So we got Rakhmanov as a favorite. I'm not surprised. Pretty much everyone I've talked to is picking him against Oliver, who could win. He's obviously a veteran. He's got a lot of experience. But I like Rakhmanov. John, the line's dropping on that. So people are taking a little bit of a shot in Alvia as a dog. I, I, I guess I can see them just thinking he can maybe outcardio him. But I like John there as a big favorite, obviously. Maverick, I'm surprised this line keeps ballooning because, you know, you look at it 350 to 440, but it actually opened it like a pick em at another book. Casey Kenny's still favored there. And that, that should be a good fight, close fight. Alvarez favored there. So it should be good. And then we have some other cards coming up. I don't want to look at those right now. But there's some good cards coming up. But, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens this weekend, guys. But, again, Tuesday's podcast broke down all the fights. So definitely check it out. And Shiro says, Islam's a beast too. Umar's out of 254. Yeah, so I, I forgot to mention this this week. But, yeah, Umar Nuragamadov, he, uh, he got sick and he's out of the fights against uh, Sergey Morozov. So that sucks, but hopefully he returns soon. It's pretty crazy. There's always the wrong natives out there, man. Tony Sell says, thoughts on Silva finally retiring after the health fight? I talked a little bit about this earlier, but, I mean, I'm not surprised he's 45. He's the oldest guy in the UFC. Most of these guys in their 40s are, are retiring now for doom. Dan Anderson retired a few years ago. Um, Bisping. There's just there's not many 40-plus fighters now. I think Olenek would be the oldest guy now, I think, after Anderson retires. We'll see. I mean, he says he's retiring. We see, he says that he is. Let me ask you guys this. Are you going to be surprised that Anderson Silva retires from the UFC and a year from now signs a Bellator? I'm not going to be surprised if that happens at all. Or even one championship where you could do a rematch with Vitor Belfort. I think there's other fights out there for Anderson. But if he's if he's done, then he's done. You know. But he said he's going to miss it. He's like, I'm going to miss the training. I'm going to miss mentally repairing myself. Um, but, again, you know – just a lack of success the last few years. And I thought he lost the Brunson fight too, to be honest with you. So technically his last win was in 2012 against Bonner, in my opinion. Although he did have the win over Nick Diaz that was overturned, but still, you know, this guy struggled. He's a legend. He's one of the greatest of all time. It's actually a shame that newer fans are just seeing this version of Anderson, the tail end version, the guy who's losing every fight. People that have been around since uh, watching the sports since the 20, 2000s, I guess, they would know Anderson as that, elite champion and even like he was around for a lot longer than that and pride and stuff too but he was mostly that ufc middleweight champ that's where we all remember him from and you know to me anderson is he's the top five guy of all time i, I think for a long time i probably did consider him the number one guy i think jones surpassed him and gsp probably surpassed him but anderson's right there he's one of the greatest of all time so and that's a good way to end this today's podcast guys so once again tuesday's podcast was the whole breakdown check it out for ufc 254 over at mma which i want to go to right now because we have a great website and i feel like um we need to get some more readers and some more listeners and stuff but yeah we we kill it there and you look at some here's some of my articles i got my betting breakdown for habib and gaichi opening odds for the card um this is the podcast obviously today and then you got some other stuff going on here and, and mike's doing his podcast brian and, and nick do theirs as well so definitely check that out i'm gonna close this window here yeah uh bjpan.com always with the news there obviously and then ma rings on that with some uh news off pieces but yeah follow me on twitter guys at m Adam Martin. hopefully you'll see my tweets on tv this weekend uh, i'll be doing the scoring and stuff for ma decisions starting again this weekend so that should be good too for the judges calls there all right and that's it for today's podcast guys really appreciate you tuning in asking the questions i'll be back on tuesday 10 a.m 
breaking down the next UFC card, and we'll be recapping UFC 254. Enjoy the fights this weekend, guys. It's going to be a special one. Again, early start time. Remember that, okay? Don't sleep in and then think the cards will be on night. Early start time. Have a great day, everyone, and I'll talk to you guys next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Bye.